I'm so grateful for our worship team. I am. I'm with Cody. I've been a part of some worships that I wondered what in the world was going on. It's so good to be in a place where people love the Lord and not not ashamed to express that. <coughs> so I wonder how many people here would say that you desire some kind of change in your life. Whether it's in your character or your or your attitude or your focus or maybe you're struggling with some sin in your life and and you desire change. Willie and Tony, that's only two. Come on, y'all agree with me this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, I I'm gonna pray against you if you don't. You know, I spent I spent a week praying every week, God, number one, I need change. I always need change. Don't ever think you get to the place where you don't need change. Because if you don't need to change, then one, two things. You either need to die or you need revival. One of the two. And, and I want to see, I don't want to see a change that I can bring about. I want to see a change that, that only God can bring about in my life and in our church and in our families and our nation. Um, and so looking at this, we, we started this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to start off in, in chapter two. Actually, I'm going to finish up in verse 17 of one and go into two reading this. And then we'll dive into it. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. There's some good underlying stuff in this. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, if you have King James, out of the belly of hell, I cried. Response, you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountain. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up, my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So looking at this, <clears throat> I start off by asking you, how many of you ever, have ever fallen? I'm not talking about in the sin. I'm just talking about you've, you've taken a fall. <laughs> we, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to go up to Oklahoma in a couple of weeks for just a few days and, and do some turkey hunting. And uh, Joey Stanford and his daddy, uh, Larry, is going to go with us. And, <clears throat> and anybody else wants to go, y'all go too. It's not whoever. Anyhow, they, they're going to go with us, and we're all looking forward to it. And this morning, Mr. Stanford texted me and said, Man, I fell and broke my ankle. It's like dead gummit. So I was asking Joey, I said, what do you do? You just trip or something? And Joey's like, no. Actually, he was in the back of his, his gator on top of a six-foot ladder filling up a feeder. And he said he, it fell on him. He broke his ankle like some some of the falls we we take, we might have a whole lot to do with it, amen? I remember one time I fell, well, it was bad for me at that moment. 
I was up on Jeremy's roof. He was uh, building his first house. Him and Maddie got married, and he had a big old long, tall roof, it seemed. And Jeremy wasn't feeling good uh, that day. Him and Cody, was, you was there, right? Him and Cody was there. And we was running the last screws in the metal, and I, just, I had to be all the way up to the top of that thing. And, and I was going across there, never falling. I'd never fallen off of a roof. <clears throat> and I was running screws, and I was going along sideways, and I don't know if it was the pollen or what happened, but it happened so fast, I, I fell, and I was on my belly, and I started sliding down, and uh, and I was hollering to him, get out of the way, get out of the way, and it happened quick, boy, I shot off that roof, and what was bad was our our old uh, pile of wood from the leftovers was right there, and I landed right on top of that, uh, I jumped up, and I said, I'm all right, I'm all right, and I, and I went back down, like, I am not all right, and uh, you know, it's... Sometimes falls come and unexpected, and you're not expecting it. Sometimes you add to it. You know, a lot of times in life we're going to fall spiritually, and sometimes we fall. And, and and we there's there's I believe there's two types of falls. There's the fall that comes from when we sin. You know, we I don't think that God's people intend on it. Maybe some people just choose to do that, but but I don't think we ever intend on the sin that we involve ourselves in leading to the fall that it's going to bring about in our life. And then there's the fall that comes from people carrying a burden or a weight that they were not intended to carry. So the chances are probably talking to people here today who either you have fallen, you're in a fall, or you're going to fall. So looking at Jonah, Jonah's experience in this, we read he's in the belly of the great fish and and Jonah's experiencing the ramification of his fall. It was his desire. Think about this. It was his desire, he thought, to be out of the presence of the Lord. He's like, I, he ran away and he wanted to run from the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> so that was his sin. You know, like I told you a couple of weeks ago in Psalm, I believe it's chapter 14, it says, The fool has said in his heart, no God. You know, sin isn't just, well, I'm going to get involved in this. And we, we always want to pick certain certain sins. You know, and that we think about in our lives that we look as extra dark sins. Whereas sin begins with just saying, no, God. We say, no, God, we don't believe God. You know, Jonah, God told Jonah, I want you to go to the Ninevites and I want you to, I want you to preach repentance to them. I want to, I want to show them mercy. And he was like, no, God, I'm not going to do that. He didn't want to, he didn't want to show mercy to the Ninevites. He had forgotten the mercy that he had received from the Lord. And so he decides that, that God's plan for his life is not good. And some of us, we fall because we stop believing that God is good and God's plan and God's ways are good. And so he, he quenched the spirit. And then you see the outcome of his fall was far greater. The ramifications of his decision to say no to God was far greater than what he had obviously anticipated. It didn't work out for him and it never does, does it? When you look at, at verse 2, and I'll just go through here quick. When you look at verse 2, he said, you know, out of the belly of Sheol, or out of belly, if you look at that in the, in the Hebrew language, it's talking about the place of the dead. Out of the belly of hell, or out of the belly of Sheol, I cried out. So he compares this experience that he's going through. It's like, he feels like he's in hell, okay? He, he talks about in verse 3, he was in the deep, or in the heart of the seas. But notice he said, I was out of your, I was out of your sight. Um, and I just go, well, wasn't that your desire? Isn't that what you thought would give you what you wanted? He's like, I want to get away from the presence of the Lord. And I want to start off this 
If you don't get anything else today, I just want to magnify the Lord in this in this text. A lot of times we magnify the fall, we magnify Jonah's mistakes and his choices. I want to magnify Jesus. Because there's a lot of times the Lord gets a bad rap. He gets things, even by God's people, test, testified to his name that's not necessarily true. For instance, a lot of you have probably seen this deal in Brazil where they had the satanic uh, parade and it was a big ordeal. And, and they had, if you hadn't seen it, it's all over, you know, Google or whatever it is, Facebook. And they had this parade and they, they were mocking Jesus. I mean, it was just total mockery of Jesus. And about a week later, floods like never before hits Brazil. And a lot of people die from that and a lot of tragedy and all that stuff. And and I'm not saying God doesn't judge. But what I am saying is this. You know, all of a sudden everybody, if we're not careful as God's people, we'll glory in that. We're like, see, you're getting what you, you're getting exactly what you, we're no different from Jonah. I want the Ninevites to get their judgment. They deserve judgment for the way they've done us. And, and we'll glory on them. We're like, see, God, you don't do that. God's this, God's that. And I'm like, now, wait a second. God, get this point. God always desire. He always desires to show mercy, salvation, restoration. Every time, under every condition, God's mercy is higher than the heavens. But we want to, and a lot of times because we think it's the way God sees us, we want to paint God up as, oh, God, he is He is hacked off in heaven, and he sees his opportunity, and he's going to rain down wrath on these people. And I want to go, is it possible God did the same thing as he did with Jonah to Brazil, where he went, if this is what you want to worship, let me show you what he'll give you. You know, a lot of times in life we want to point the blame to God and point God out to be, you know, the one who's throwing a temper tantrum in heaven, whereas maybe God just did with Jonah and went, do you want out of my presence? Not that he ever was. You want out of my sight? Do you want? You don't want my influence in your life? Then let me show you the alternative. <clears throat> and so he ends up here in this place, and in verse 5 says he was in, entangled in the weeds. A lot of things in my life that I get entangled in that I never intended you know, all of a sudden, what I thought I had a hold of has a hold of me. Is it, I'm all wrapped up in it. And it's carried me to a place that I don't want to be. In the verse 6, he said, the earth, this is interesting. He said, the earth's bars close behind me forever. That is actually a picture of death when you study the original language. Okay, Not that I understand Hebrew, but I study it as I go. And it's talking about a picture of death. So it is possible. It's possible that Jonah died in the belly of the whale. And that God raised him back up. And it actually says in that verse, in verse 6 there. I know some of you go, I've never heard that before. Well, good. Maybe you'll learn something, all right? He says, actually, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have what brought up my life from the pit. Now, he might have been speaking figuratively, but it's possible that he died and God raised him back up. Because God has a reputation of doing that. Amen. And this is a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And so in that, um, he, it took him to a place, his fall, where he never intended on going. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what your sin is. Apart from Jesus, apart, if you're here today and you go, I've, I've never trusted Jesus. I've never believed the gospel, surrendered my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and, and called upon him to forgive me of my sin and ask for mercy then that's what the Bible terms is what we call lost. You're separated from God. 
apart from Jesus, you've already fallen. And it's going to carry you to a place, as Cody was talking about, that you never intended on going. Can you imagine how many people, you know, there's a lot of people who are bold, you know, in their sin. They'll talk about, I ain't worried about hell, and I don't even believe in hell, or I'm going to go to hell and rule it. I've heard people, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to hell there, and I'm going to take over, and I'm going to go to hell and have a party with all my buddies. I can't imagine what those people think when they get there. It doesn't turn out that way. It doesn't turn out how you was hoping or what you were thinking. Or maybe maybe they're living their lives apart from Jesus to go, I, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven because of this, because of that. But I don't believe all that repentance and, and following Jesus stuff. Apart from Jesus, you're hopeless. Maybe your sin is just living in your own way. Maybe it's being in a godless relationship. Maybe it's being involved with alcohol and drugs and the lifestyle that that produces. The darkness of social media. Let's just throw everybody in there. Because a lot of times what we want to do is we want to, we want to look at the really big sinners and go, man, I'm glad my life's not involved in that. Well, maybe, you're, maybe you're sitting there looking at things on your phone you know you ain't ought to be looking at, sharing with the Lord. Lust, divorce, believing lies, unforgiveness, not showing mercy to people. You know, the Bible says to him that knows to do good and he does not do it, sin. Think about this, you know, because I'll, I'll touch on it. Homosexuality is a grotesque sin. It's a sin. But so is not showing mercy towards those people who need Jesus. No different. No different. So I just want to make sure everybody gets here and we don't have no self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a sin too. So here's the thing. Whatever the sin is, if you allow it in your life. Now, you're going to, here's the thing. You're going to come in contact with all kinds of sinful choices Every day. We're surrounded. We are plagued by temptation everywhere, every day. Every one of us have our things. We have our temptation. We have our struggles. We have our weaknesses. And every day, hell plagues us with that. Okay? Every day. If you don't have that, then your temptation is that you're self-righteous. So let's put you in the boat. You're in there with me. You struggle every day. It's a battle of the mind. It's a battle of decisions every day. And as God's people, here's the awesome thing. You know, you're not in it alone. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit's power's in you. And you can overcome that. You can say no. You can turn it off. You can walk away. You can resist it. The Bible says resist the devil. He will flee from you. So don't act like you just got to give in because it's there. But sometimes we give in. And we think that we can handle it or we, or we think that it's not going to be. It's just a little bit. And we have this, you know, here's what happens. We start listening to the lie. The devil paints up this picture. goes, it's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. It's going to give you exactly what you're looking for. You deserve this, blah, 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 blah. And he tells you all that stuff. And the next thing you know, it delivers into your life what you refer to as hell on earth. Basically, that's what Jonah is saying here. I am, I am living in hell on earth. And here's, and here's one picture of God's mercy. Sometimes, because we want it, obviously, God allows us to experience some hell on earth. Now, there's nothing on earth that compares to the misery of hell. But if you get a little taste of that, maybe it'll change your mind on you deciding whether you want to go there or not. Maybe sometimes God's people experiences a little bit of hell on earth so it wakes us up to the fact of there are people who are going to the reality of that for eternity. I need to be doing something about that. You know, here's the thing. The truth is we all fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Take heed, thinking you stand, lest you fall. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
So if you're here today and you go, you know, a lot, here's what we do if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we'll look back on our falls because all of us can look back. We can look back and go, oh, man, we call that a testimony, right? And we always try to outdo each other. Oh, let me stand up and tell you what my field was. Anyhow, we look back on our falls, but then once we're saved, and then especially for those of us who are sanctified, We've been in church, we know the word, we can quote the scripture, we teach, we preach, we lead. You know, we've got it all together. We don't do those things no more. God's raised us out of a pit. And we oftentimes come to the place to where we go, I can't fall again. Take heed, thinking you stand, lest you fall. Now, I'm going to tell you something. And I'm going to touch on a touchy one right here. And most everybody here knows it. I have a brother, and he's still my brother. In this church that took a tremendous fall. Never saw that coming in a million years. God would John guess. Y'all know who I'm talking about. If you don't, God raised that brother up out of a pit like I have never seen. I saw God radically change, transform his life. He preached Jesus more than most people I've ever been around. He walked with the Lord. Day in, day out. I'm not talking about a Sunday church or day in, day out. I spent time with him. I went on vacations with him. He's my family. Knew him, you know, as well as I know anybody. And he loves Jesus. But along the way, 15 years of loving Jesus. We ain't talking about a couple of weeks. He started in a direction that he thought he could handle. And you know what? It led to one little bit farther, a little bit farther. My brother is in jail. He's in the prison right now. Y'all know that. 15 years. One of the biggest shocks of my life, but also very sobering to go, you know what? I'm not above it. I'm not above it. Don't think. If you would have ever told me John Guest was going to get involved in some of the things, I'd have said, there's no way. No way, man. That was, that was years ago in his life. I'd have, never, I'd have bet everything I own. It would never happen to him. And it happened. And it can happen to me just the same. It can happen to me just the same. But sometimes as God's people, all of a sudden we see somebody do that. If you're not careful, you start putting yourself in the place of judgment. And here's the thing. God doesn't desire for us as his people to sit in a place of judgment. Now, it's one thing to go, yeah, he got involved. And it was, it was sinful what he got involved in, blah, blah, blah. It's another thing to condemn him. Okay. <clears throat> or anybody else for whatever sin they're involved in, okay? So I'm going to give you three things out of this passage of Scripture I want you to get this morning. Number one, God desire, His desire is always to show mercy and to restore. Always. The Bible said He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No matter how wicked you look at and all these people and you think about all that they do, and we could conjure up all kind of illustrations of wickedness, God sent His Son to die for those people so that they could have mercy. Everyone. Everyone. You're telling me those Muslims that'll take a drill bit and drill into a kid's head? You're telling me that they'll, they'll cut a man's throat that God loves and wants to show them mercy? That's what the cross says. That's what the gospel preaches. God's like, I want to show them mercy. I want to see them saved. I want to see them turn from their sins. That's what I provided through the blood of my son. I sacrificed my son in order that the sorriest of sinners, Randall Reeves, could find mercy. Y'all awake this morning? 
thinking that was the purpose of the great fish. You know, without the great fish that God sent, what we want to do is we want to like, yeah, God put him in the belly of a whale. God saved him in the belly of a whale. Without the fish, he's a dead man. They, they pitched him out of the boat. He didn't have no hope. God prepared before time, knowing that he was going to fall, he prepared a great fish. How long did it take him to prepare that fish? I don't know if he went through the process. He could have he just spoke the fish into existence. God usually doesn't do that. God started that little fish off like this. So, so how long did God know? Probably before Jonah was ever born, God knew Jonah was going to be in the belly of that fish he prepared for. And God's prepared a way for us. Amen. <laughs> Think about this. That's the message of the cross and the resurrection. But here's what I want you to get as, as, as the church family, okay? If that's the heart of God, then that should be our heart. We should always, always, in every situation, desire mercy and restoration. The Bible said God's given us the, the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is a ministry of mercy. That means to show love, to speak truth. Don't take those two apart. Mercy isn't a person is living in wickedness, living in darkness, living in sin, and love just overlooks it. Love goes to that person in a loving spirit and speaks truth to that person. We're called to pray for and with. We're called to reach out. We're called to encourage. And here's the thing. There's never a shortage on people who need mercy. You want to know what your ministry is? Look around you. There's somebody here who has either fallen to a bad choice to sin or they're falling under the weight of things that they're carrying that they were never intended to carry. Both sides need mercy. We have received mercy. It doesn't take an education. It doesn't take an eloquent speaker. It doesn't. All it takes is for you to share what you've already been given by the Lord. Now, if you can't show mercy, you need to find mercy. Think about this. Tony Evans, I read a story about him. He said <clears throat> when he was little, his brother, and did something that he shouldn't have done. So he was going to seize the opportunity to tell his daddy. He wanted to see his brother get tore up, get a whooping, get him in trouble. And so he waited, and when his father got home, he, he proceeded to go to him, and he ran to his dad, and he started telling on his brother about what he did. And his daddy called his brother and, and verified it, and it disciplined him. And the, the boy, Tony, Tony Ev said, when he, he said, man, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed watching my brother get in trouble. Any of y'all got big brothers? <laughs> he enjoyed it. He felt like he was justifying it, I guess. He said, about that time, his daddy called him in. And proceeded to discipline him. And he said, he began, you know, reason was that like, I haven't done anything. Why, why am I getting in trouble? I haven't done anything. His father said, oh, yes, you have. Because the thing that you told on me or told on your brother, the thing that you come to tell on me, because you wanted your brother to suffer, could have been taken care of before I showed up. But you chose to let your brother suffer and glory in that rather than restoring him. And so he says, daddy, Discipline him and he said, I'll never forget that lesson, how important it is to be a restorer. Think about this. It's the, the principles all the way through the scripture. God shows mercy to the ones who show mercy. Read your Bible, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Luke chapter 6. The message is there. That's why the Lord said, you know, you've heard it said before to hate your enemy. But I tell you, pray for him. Speak good to them. Bless them. Why? Because God said if you want to receive mercy, then you show mercy. And, and for as far as church folk, there's a lot of church folk who come to a level in their own mind to where they, they're not interested in showing mercy. 
And they deal with people. And, I, and here's the thing. Here's the, here's the hardest people to show mercy to. It's the people that's closest to us. You would think we could show mercy because they're close to us. That's not true at all. It's easier for me to go show mercy to somebody under a bridge than it is for me to show mercy to somebody that lives in my own home. Because we expect that they're going to mess up again, or maybe they already have. Maybe they've done this over and over, and you know, you've got your limit. It's a self-righteous limit. You've got your limit where like, you know what? I have forgiven. I have shown mercy. I have lifted that, that person up three, four, maybe ten times, and they just continue to do that. Maybe Peter had somebody in mind when he asked the Lord, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody? Seven times? The Lord said, hmm times 70 70 times 7 that's how often you forgive a brother in a day when he comes back to you and repents and God's like I want I want you think you Peter's like I've got man I've got some mercy maybe he's the number seven because he's like I'm complete mercy God's like let me show you how much higher my mercy is way out of sight than your mercy but sometimes we we take it on our own to go you know what I I think I'm going to withhold mercy. And, and we become like the sailors. You know what the sailors did? Storms was hitting. They figured out it was Jonah. They tried to come against the storm to save their own skin. But when they did, next thing you know, they threw him out of the boat. Don't we do that? We might try with some people for a little bit. But after a little bit, get them out of the ship. Get them out of the boat. There's churches everywhere kicking people out left and right that need mercy. People, what they look at. And I'm not talking about people who continue to live in a habitual, wicked lifestyle. The Bible talks about that. Very clear on church discipline. Very clear on the righteousness of God. Very clear on all those things. Well, I can't teach all this morning. But I'm talking about somebody who's seeking the Lord. Somebody who's seeking change in life. Somebody who, who desires something. The church is here for the purpose not to sit in a judgmental, condemning attitude. But an attitude of establishing truth and love in their life. And bringing to a place to restore and to reconcile. And that's the whole purpose. If a person receives church discipline, the church is not doing it to cast them out and throw them out of the boat is to bring them to a place where they recognize what sin is causing in their life and we restore we restore Man, the last thing I promise you that I needed when I went scaling off that roof and the wood pile was for Jeremy Cody to come over and laugh and kick me right that would, I can tell you what that led to not good <clears throat> We'd all three needed mercy, but but here's the point. Sometimes when people in church, our brothers, your your family, your brothers and sisters, all of a sudden when they make a, a stupid choice, like I've made many a time in my life, and they fall, especially when it's public, especially when 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 you know of the fall, maybe I say, how do you know about it? Because brothers and sisters start kicking. We used to get, we t- we talk about it, you know, and sometimes it's even. It's even subliminally in prayer requests. We'll pray for us so and so. We won't talk about what she did, but y'all know. <laughs> and the next thing you know, rather than being concerned about lifting that person up, I don't care what they do. There's no list of sins in the Bible that I found where it's all like, well, if they do this, you restore them. But if they do this, throw them out the boat. And in relation, let's talk about out of the church. What about relationships in our lives? What about friendships? Any of you ever have really a really good friend and along the way they, they did something and maybe it was totally stupid. Maybe they backstabbed you like Judas. And along the way he's like, that's it. 
I'm cutting you off. What you're saying is, you don't deserve mercy. I don't want to restore our relationship. I don't want to show what Jesus has shown to me. I want you out of this boat. And I'm going to be on about my smooth sailing. Sometimes we do it. It's happening in marriages everywhere. There are so many marriages. There are so many marriages that could have been restored. That could be restored. Maybe you're in a place right now where your marriage has crumbled and fallen. Don't matter whose fault it is. God's like, I've given you a spirit of reconciliation. I want you to restore. And I, well, you don't know. Preacher, you don't know what she did. You don't, preacher, you don't know what he's done to me. He's done it multiple times. There's, I'll say this. I don't care what shape your marriage is in. Jesus raises the dead to life. He raises the dead to life. It just depends on how much mercy has impacted your life. Second thing I want you to get is God is the God who stays. You know, there's some people who forsake you when you fall. It's those people you thought were your friends, and the next thing you know, they ain't around no more. And I want to say this. I have, I have a room full of people who, when I fall, they're with me. They have, I have fallen. People have come to me. Don't you think it's kind of funny how there's two different rules? I'm going to chase the rabbit just Two different rules for pastors versus church members. You ever heard of a pastor? Now, listen, I ain't dove off and done nothing stupid. Well, I have a bunch, but, you know, don't read nothing into this, okay? You know about everything I've done. <clears throat> but but here's the thing. If I do, you know, whether if it's a, a small instance or, or whatever. I remember one time, for instance, Willie was working with me. We were hanging sheetrock. Not good for me. He was fixing the house. He was over there helping one day. I lost it. I mean, I lost it. I dove in. I didn't fall. I dove head first. My mouth started flying out words. Saying things that, that a church member surely shouldn't say, much less a pastor. And then all of a sudden when it, it all slowed down, I was like expecting to hear that brother was just encouraging me. I, I came down on myself and you know what he did? He encouraged me. He encouraged, he joined in and he said some words with me. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. But you know what? I, I have a lot of, a lot of excellent brothers and sisters in this church that when I fall, they're the first ones there to lift me up. That's so important. That's what I want to be for people. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a restorer. Like, yeah, we all know you fall. I don't want to kick you while you're down. I want to pick you up. I want to lift you up. I want to give you hope. So the, the hope of the cross never ends. That's the point. It's not just for a, well, I'm, I'm already saved. I'm not talking about that. The hope of the cross, the power of the resurrection is for every day in your life, for every fall in your life, for every bad choice in your life. Jesus went to the cross so that you could walk with him. Not lay there and suffer in your pain of your bad choices. And there's so many people that think that God has a limit. You know, I think most likely Jonah was very studied in the book of Psalms. I referred to this Psalm on Wednesday night, and I want to give this to you. Maybe this is why he cried out when he felt like he was in the in the belly of hell. Psalm 139 said, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. Funny, I just said that. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have helped me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? 
Or where can I flee from your presence? How, how, how big of a fall does it take? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. Behold, if I make my bed in hell. Can you imagine Jonah? And he's all inside of a, a fish. Imagine God's spirit brings his mind. If you make your bed in hell, I'm there. We can make, we can make our beds. Amen. I want you to understand that God doesn't forsake you. If you're a child of God, God never leaves. God pursues. He comes after us. He goes with us. We take him in places he should never be. But here's the, here's the hope. You wake up in your own vomit. You wake up in a bed you shouldn't be in. You wake up viewing a, a website your eyes shouldn't see in a prison cell, in a business deal. Or maybe it's just a life full of riches that seems to be so great, but it's very empty and no life at all. Here's the good thing. He's there, and he's there for you. Last thing is, God's a God of miracles. You know, mercy, mercy is, I believe, the greatest miracle. Excuse me. Because I had people, and I actually started looking at this, I explained it to you. How, did John, how would Jonah survive? You know, he's a brilliant so-called science people and all that. Well, they're trying to disprove the Bible. Well, it's not possible that a man can survive in the belly of a whale. Three days, three nights, I need a scientific explanation. And I, I was stupid enough to start looking for that. And I've heard a lot of different ideas and thoughts about all that stuff. And, and we'll refer back to some stories of her. Well, there was a sailor back in 19 such and such, and they found him. He was in a fish, and he was still alive. So that proves that Jonah's right. Here's the thing. I serve a God of wonders. You understand that? Unlimited by the time, space, and the laws of nature that he spoke into existence. That's why I pray. I don't need a hypothesis when I fall. I don't need a logical thing to, to respond to when I fall. I need a God who is above, who can raise me up out of the pit that I've put myself into. And if you don't believe that God can do miracles, and you don't, I'm thinking, how could you say you're a Christian? Because being a Christian is solely based on the fact of the power of God, not the science of man, that Jesus, a man, God in the flesh died on a cross, was buried dead three days, and rose to life. That's called a miracle. That's called supernatural. That was a demonstration of the greatest power God's ever shown to defeat sin, death, and hell. And he arose to go, what can I not do? And if you don't believe in miracles, why in the world are you praying? But, but here's the question. If you do believe in the God of miracles, why aren't you praying? You know, the things I've witnessed in my life, and you too, are beyond scientific explanation. Science is not my God. Jesus is. The greatest miracle ever was the resurrection of Jesus. It allows mercy for the sinner, and he showed and demonstrated he could do that. So here's what I want you to do. What does that got to do with mercy? What does that got to do with my fall? There's no life. There's no circumstance, there's no situation, there's no fall, and there's no person beyond the reach of God's mercy. There's one place that there's no mercy. Where is that? That's in hell. When a person ends up in hell because you chose to go there, if you end up in hell, it's because you chose not to believe God. You chose the same thing, Jonah. No, God. Or you listen to the lie of the devil telling you that you was beyond mercy. God said, you're not be if you've got a breath of life, you're not beyond mercy. 
All you need is a miracle. If Jonah looked at his situation, he could have thought all these different ideas of how to get himself, but you know what? None of that worked. He had one hope. This is the picture of salvation. He come to the real, maybe he squirmed a little bit. Maybe he was trying to get his pocket knife out. I don't know. Maybe he tried everything he thought, but he had to come to the place where he went. When I come to the end of myself, I remembered the Lord. And I cried out. And get this, he heard me. That's what salvation, salvation is. Is when we get to the pit of sin and where it has delivered us in life. And we come to the realization, I'm in this place with no hope. All of a sudden, God's spirit went, oh, you got hope. Remember that story you heard? I sent my son to die for your sins so that I could raise you up out of this place. That's when we call upon the Lord, God, save me. And God hears our prayer. That's good stuff. So I'll read you this story I read this week. Years ago, there was a man named Derek Redman. He was a runner on the British sprint team, the Olympic team. He was a... Uh, part of a four-man relay sprint team. <clears throat> they were running that year. It's been a while back. They were running that year, and early on in the race, they were moving along good. It was looking great for them. They were ahead of everybody else. Uh, Derek Redmond was the last man on the on the team that was going to get the baton. Everything looked good until they passed the baton to him. He starts running. He's coming around the corner. He's on his way to victory, and all of a sudden, he tears his Achilles tendon, falls down face flat on the track that he's running on and uh, he laid there in desperate pain here's the thing he didn't want to be there he said as as time he, he started to crawl and to scratch and to go towards you know trying to make it to the finish line said everybody you could have heard a pin drop all eyes were focused on Derek Redmond laying there on the track in such pain as he began to crawl said in the midst of all that a man Step down out of the stadium, run out there to him. Went over and picked him up, put his arm around his shoulder and his arm around his waist. The judge came over and said, sir, you're going to have to leave the track. He said, leave me alone. This is my boy. He said he carried him. And they walked the rest of the way to the, cross the finish line. He said all the people stood and roared and cheered far more than what they did for the people who crossed the finish line on their own. You know, he picked him up and he carried him. Here's the awesome thing that Derek Redmond had somebody in the stands who came down to the dust and the dirt of his defeat and picked him up and walked him across the victory finish line. We have that person. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus stepped out of the stadium, came down to where my fall fell flat on my face. Not to judge me, not to point out all my wrongs, not to point out how many times this had happened, but to reach down and pick me up and to bear me up and to take me. He's going to take me all the way to the finish line. And there's a whole lot more cheering goes on for that than it does for somebody who thinks they doesn't need it at all. I want to finish with this verse right here. It's in Psalm 145. If you're here this morning, See, I've got some falls in my life. Please listen to this verse right here. Psalm 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Then in verse 14 it says, The Lord upholds 
all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Man, grab that promise. Fear this morning, say, I've fallen. Grab that promise. You might have fallen, but the Bible says you're not utterly cast down, for it's the Lord who holds you up. That's the message of the cross. I don't care how far you've fallen, how many times you've fallen. The Lord loves you. His mercy endures forever. His mercy is enough. He loves you. He loves mercy. His desire is to raise you up and to restore you. And here's the, here's the last thing I want you to get. The whole time all this thing was going on in the, in the belly of the whale. Three days, three nights. You know, it says when, when Jonah cried out to the Lord that the whale vomited him up. Where was he at? He was halfway across the sea. The whole time God was wrestling him, he was moving him in the direction he wanted him to go. God's mercy always carries you in the direction he has for you that's good for you. So if you're here this morning, a couple of things. There's people in your life that have fallen that need you to show the same mercy that Jesus has showed you. Drop your judgmental attitude. Drop your self-righteousness. Drop your calculations of how many times and let mercy dig deep in your heart. Some of us need to go stand at the foot of the cross and we need to look and go, you know what? This is what it took to save my sorry soul. This is how much mercy, man, God has shown me so much mercy. I I can never withhold mercy from anybody. I'm so wicked. And God has shown me so much mercy in my life. But you go, Lord, use me. Let me be a vessel of mercy. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're the one that's fallen. Nobody, nobody, maybe nobody knows it or a lot of people know it. Ain't nobody reached out to you. I'll reach out to you. I promise you there's people in this church that'll stand with you and raise you up and pick you up and pray with you and love you and show you. Maybe there's some that's going to judge you and, and, and draw their lines. Whatever. Whatever. They need the same mercy too. I'll show you mercy too. Man, we're surrounded by people who need mercy. That's what God designed the church for. That's what we're here for. You can find mercy with Jesus. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <clears throat> and if you just need prayer this morning, I'll be glad to pray with you, Willie, my wife, Tanya. You know, if you fall alone or you're bearing a burden that you're bearing because you want to, you don't have to. Man, we're here to bear it with you. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much for my church family, God. I thank you for so many vessels of mercy here today, God, whose lives have been radically transformed through the gospel. I see the work of mercy in their life. I see your goodness. Cody was reading in Psalm 23. Your goodness follows them all the days of their life. God, I just pray that we wouldn't hold that mercy in. God, we'd be a vessel where our cup overflows. God, that we show that to people. Your word says you desire mercy rather than sacrifice. Father, I pray that we'd be a people who love the unlovable. And God, you would supernaturally enable us to do that. That's not something that's natural, God, but by your spirit. Lord, you'd fill every person here today with your heart, your desires. God, I just pray for someone here today who's fallen. Maybe they're wallowing in it. Maybe they're still in the pit. Lord, I pray they'd hear your word, hear your voice. Recognize only you can raise them up, give them life, restore 100%. They can walk out of here new, pure, walk with an upright heart, clean spirit. 
Father, I just pray you do a great thing here today for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.